0: Welcome to podcast 257 of Five Star Potential, your weekly Football Manager podcast. I'm Matt and on this week's pod, I'm joined by the usual suspects, at this stage anyway, Dupe and Mr. Matt FM. Welcome, gentlemen, hello. Hello! <laughs> hello! Hello! I missed that, I
1: missed that at the start. Hello Matt.
0: Hi Matt. Yeah. I... Hello. Hello. Hello!
1: I mean, we have just uh, spoke for 45 minutes, but hello Matt! Hello, Almost. we have Long we time just...
0: In fact, it's more like forty-eight minutes, 48 but 48. Matt, Matt but was late. He was, it was forty-seven minutes of him. Dupe having no t-shirt on. But anyway, enough about that. Up the up the up the nips. Up the nips. <laughs> definitely pointing down, Matthew. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Anyway, on this week's episode, we shall have a save update from Mr. Dupe with his ongoing uh, saga with. The London Monarchs, London Monarchs, London, London, uh, your French trip is rubbing off on me. Not in the nice way, Mr. Do they Mr. play Mad. in League Ugh. Uh no, no, they do not, I'm afraid. And our spotlight this week is about maximising a shorter pre-season, but more on that after Mr. Dupes, save updates. Take it away, sunshine, please.
1: Sunshine, well, hello, and yeah so i think last time we spoke about this it was a wee while ago and it was kind of when i was introducing you all to the save and we've we've done another season since um i decided i wanted to try something a little bit different in pre-season and well, well i'm sure we'll go into that a bit more deeper later but it was more so the fact i wanted to try a different system a system where i only played two center backs and a half back and then no wing backs and i was like i'm definitely gonna play this i'm gonna play wide midfielders and i'm gonna keep my diamond through the middle i'm only gonna play two center backs and it meant that we conceded a shed load of goals in pre-season too many goals in the first couple of games and then i bailed because my job was on the line and i thought i can't i can't just i can't do it i bottled it i wish i never because it, it looked interesting going forward but just wasn't defensively strong enough going backwards and that's that's a big difference so we did bring some new players in though. Um I think we spoke about uh the fact that I think I just brought Adnan Yanazai in. I think you guys know about that one, right?
0: Mm, we do.
1: Yeah, okay. So super, so we brought in uh, and then obviously Clavan at centre back. So they all really performed really well. Apart from we 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 didn't we needed to get rid of some of those players. And I needed to turn some cash, I needed to get some salary cap. And more importantly i needed to get some designated players because i had some really good players on like on on my near horizon is probably the best way to put it so adnan I went straight out the door unfortunately he he did so well for us um he he basically got us to close to winning uh winning the lot so uh he was a big player for us we sold him for 12 million dollars to juventus he went to juventus he's played six times for juventus he now plays Southampton. They turned <laughs> literally zero pounds off of that transfer. It was exactly the same. Here you go. Just just move over there. Um, we also sold uh, Timo Pukki, uh, Mangala, all of our basically, our start at 11, we sold them all for about $20 million. It uh, meant that we had a really fresh salary cap, and it meant that we could bring some exciting talent through. And the main one we brought through, uh, a name that most will know from home, was Haidara from RB Leipzig. A very talented midfielder. Likes Amadou, that, that's Amadou. Yes, yes. Amadou, yeah, Haidara. Very, very good player. We got him Shame for the the
0: pineapple. P-
1: and on the, the tree. tree. Yeah. Yes, for £8 million. Um, I Sorry, it was, Zagadou, it was a bit slow. I, <laughs> well,
0: it works either way. It Amadou. does. Amadou, I dare say, is closer than Zagadou. Well, actually, uh, I don't know.
1: Zag yeah, okay, Um Anyway, he's still at the club. It may, it may carry on. We may pick it up for next year. Probably won't. But you never know. <laughs> he, he is quality. Like He is such a talent to be picked up from Europe and brought over for £8 million. Uh, mm-hmm. Without giving too much spoilers, 29 games played, uh, uh, 10 goals, 11 assists, average rating of 7.83. He's paid every single one of that penny back. Um, we also brought in a young Kevin McAllister. come on. From Home Alone, um, yeah, he did great in Paris. Kevin, um, Sorry. And now he's now he's in London. <laughs> um, so that is that is the right back. Okay, don't know. I didn't even I just, hear what he said.
0: I just said Kevin. Oh, okay. <laughs> please, please say every time he does something wrong, you, you shout that.
1: To be fair, get it,
0: get it on the stream deck.
1: Potentially, <laughs> however. Uh, he's done a lot of things right. Um, this is the chap that's uh, his brothers, I believe, with the with uh, Alexis, Alexis. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, 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 over at Brighton. Uh, but we got him from Argentinos Juniors for two point two million pounds, and again, absolutely world. I like, I say world class, and the reason I use the word world class is because America classes themselves as the world champs. So he is the best player right back in, in the in world, America. So he's world class to me. Uh, so he was a very good signing. Um, we also picked up um, Benkovic from or but ben- I'm gonna fuck the names up. he's the guy that
0: Joe used to love this guy? Oh, no? ben, ben, I, I love this guy. Sorry, Sorry, Philip. Is it Philip Benkovic? Is that yeah. Yeah. Not Philip? It's, yeah. It's is not, not got a T. Philip with it's, an, an it F. It is
1: Philip. Yeah. It's Philip with an F. And it's Benkovic, but it's it's not got. Probably Benkovic is the right way of pronouncing. It is Benkovic. Yeah, I think, definitely yeah. Benkovic. Uh, he he start he he played for Celtic, Bristol City, Cardiff. Um, six foot four. He is big, meaty, and he's a man. And that is all I like in my centre backs. Um, again, picked him up cheapest chips, uh, half a million quid. Um, he's produced some really good performances. Average rating last year seven point four five. Scoring a few goals as well. Um, but he is just a stern, decent centre back. And we kind of started the season with that, and things trickled through. As you probably know, uh, the MLS season is quite short. It's not It's not full of a huge amount of games, but uh, we started very poorly. We were quite low down. We tried. We swapped tactics. We're now playing a 4-3-1-2, uh, you know me, any way to get away from playing wingers. Um, and it started to tick. The problem is we had a few players that we just, we had a few missing spots that we needed to solve uh striker being one of them we had a young chap called Bisoli uh who we brought in from Brazil he did do very well he scored lots of goals but he was just so unhappy at the club and uh, for some reason he just wanted to leave so we had to get let him go um we also had to let Eric Dick go um which is definitely terrible when you sat down and you got to get your dick out um and he <laughs> had to go um he's a, basically a backup goalkeeper but I bought him for his name um so we had a bit of money to spend in like the summer um they run from January to 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 or to November so you've got a lot of time and in in the late summer from Manchester United for 4.5 million pounds I'm going to let you both have a guess at which English striker I purchased to bring over to London Monarchs from Manchester United for 4.5 million I'll tell you now he's not at the club now
2: Wait sorry so what are you is.
1: are you in uh so we are in 2024 He's come over to the MLS. He's English. And he, plays for, and he plays for Manchester United now on game, but doesn't play oh, really really around now. Oh, oh. I can give you some more clues. He's thirty-seven. Vardy. Ma- Jamie Vardy is the man we brought oh. in. Seventeen finishing at thirty-seven. Fifteen composure. Like his mental. I mean, those. Are- the,
0: yeah. Well, the the like the visit phys- uh, the. Uh, the technical attributes are the things that generally don't tend to change an awful lot when they get older. Physically, like that's what we care about.
1: Mm. Okay, so physicals. I'm dropping it in the chat for you. Acceleration 15, 14 pace, natural fitness 16.
0: Uh, his that's, strength's gone down. I can't down believe I can't believe lot. that hasn't gone off a cliff.
1: Yeah, 40. no, I, I, uh, it's all those red balls, right? It's shocking how good he actually is. And um, for the listeners at home, I'm just sharing all of his details in the chat. He is rated the best, mid, uh, the best striker in the league, um, and he is phenomenal uh, to the point where he played 13 games for us last year, scored 12, five assists, 7.63 average rating at 37. I've got on a what, contract for one more year. I will be signing him up again for another year. The
0: the, the this is a, a a slight aside, but natural fitness is one of the most underrated attributes ever yes, because that is the thing that extends players, careers, everyone that, every player that you see with high natural fitness, like their attributes, especially physical attributes, don't tend to drop off as soon as they hit like 34. Every Everyone else I've seen, I think um, in my Groningen save, jo, Joel Matip is like 33, 34, I think. And physically he's now a shell of what he used to be, a complete yeah. husk of a man. Uh, whereas you look at Vardy and nothing's changed.
1: No, Jamie Vardy, look at, you can see when Manchester United bought him. At thirty-six, right? Like he looks like he could, he could play. He could definitely play. He's a, he is a baller and he is quality. Um, but yeah, he needed another strike partner, and I'm go, I'm gonna mention it because we mentioned this chap a little while ago. Uh, we had that uh Dijan chap. It was a wonder kid a couple of years ago from Frankfurt. Yovelich, uh, no, Jov- 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 yeah, we sold like him. That. We sold him. You could get him from Red Star, I believe, in twenty nineteen. I think that was when he yeah. was good. Uh, and I brought in the Venezuelan. Penaranda. Oh. Because yeah. we mentioned him. We mentioned him the other day. And Alberto. Alberto. Yes. Yeah, he likes to play out in the wing. He likes to play up front. He likes to sit in just behind. And his actual favourite role, and we discussed this in a couple of pods ago, Matt, Matt, was uh Shadow Striker. He he his nice. preferred role is Shadow Striker. I love a Shadow Striker. Um, and he has all the attributes that just scream to me that he's a tremendous Shadow Striker. Unfortunately. Because of another purchase that I made He didn't really get the game time And then asked to leave and I traded him But uh, yeah, well, he had a small stint in the team
0: oh, no. um, Why the, didn't you keep Adalberto Bagaranda?
1: Because we managed to bring in Malik Tillman Now, if you don't know who Malik Tillman is You're going to know He's a German who has a nationality Of a nationality of American He starts at Bayern Munich He is 21 years of age in game.
0: His I've physicals guy, are just
1: yeah. incredible. Uh, his mentals are perfect. And his, his his technicals are superb. And he just does everything that you could ask for. He played 13 games, same amount as Vardy. 10 goals, 3 assists, 7.51 average rating. I could not drop him. It was absolutely superb. Um, and I was very, very happy with that signing. And the last one I'm going to mention, just because he's English, we bought Jonathan Hogg from uh, Huddersfield (laughs) for 19K, okay? Because I just needed another backup to play like the defensive midfielder role. Um, I bought him for 19K. He played six games, did his cruciate ligament, then asked to retire. He's now off my salary cap. Thank you, Jonathan Hogg. Um, But we ended the season very well. We We got through our Champions League group. We got through, we won the Eastern Conference League, but we came second in the Shield we then got to the semi final uh put straight into the semi final of the eastern conference we beat new york red bulls 3-0 and then we lost 1-0 in extra time to new york uh, new england revolution uh, in the eastern conference final which meant that we didn't unfortunately win or get a chance to play for the uh for the MLS cup we started this season with a few signings but nothing out of the ordinary um yeah it's just basically trying to it's a difficult place because so many players want to leave you get traded and you realize they're shocking and you try and get rid of them and you're basically rebuilding a squad every single season which we will probably encounter shortly but yeah that's pretty much it we are just starting the third season we're out of uh, we're, we're out of the champions league um because their champions league spreads over two seasons so you play the group one year and then you play like at the end of one year and then you play the knockouts at the end of the start of the second year and it, the way it works and uh, yeah, we're out of that. So we, we have to go again for another year to see whether we win that Champions League.
2: Dupe, hold on a second now. Can we go back and talk about this preseason for a second? I think this MLS madness has infected your brain. You So you went with a tactic with two centre-halves and yeah. a DM in front of them. No fullbacks, yeah. no wing-backs. No wingers, not even defensive wingers.
1: No, they were they were wide midfielders on defend because on wide midfielders on defend, you could use their PIs, okay, uh, to to I believe it was to stay wider and and maybe hold position.
2: Okay, and it, and it obviously, as you said, it didn't work. You conceded a shit ton of goals.
1: Um, then you, we, I wouldn't say a shit ton of goals. I would say that we conceded a lot of back post goals which
2: because there was no players there (laughs) okay yeah in
1: in my head it worked and And it still will I'll get it working trust me
2: so then when it when it's not worked you proceeded to tell us that you went and sold basically your entire team so I Um, mean you know I like to I like to you know I like to imagine things and I'm picturing Dupe like it's that principal Skinner meme so Dupe is there like am I a bad manager no it's the players that are wrong (laughs) and he just sells them all
0: um yeah it's, you see, it's, it's like that 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 tactic um I think could work if you played 3 at the back rather than half back
1: Yeah absolutely and then have the wide
0: wide center backs because they will the then backs. cover that space mm. because
1: annoyingly um
0: I'm not you... convinced half backs fully work still how they're supposed to uh, like lo- center yeah. halves don't split enough when they drop no. back
1: I agree with you um, on the central defenders defend uh, I do have them both uh, to stay wider when we have the ball hoping that they would have a wider starting position for when we lose the ball um, but yes you're absolutely right maybe a system, well, free at the back system three centre backs would work however I wanted to be a little bit different I wanted to be out there and I wanted to see what we could do with that halfback, the other decision I had was to play that halfback as a libero that could um, also
0: work, like, but see, e, like you'll get the same movement. Then it's just the inverse of what you've currently absolutely. got. Absolutely,
1: I just worried that that would be a little bit too attacking. So no, because
0: you could like playing playing on support. He'll basically push forward into that half back space. Like so it's just starting positions. And like as well, for for most of our listeners, I'd hope they do know when when you're setting up a tactic you are setting up the defensive shape first yes. rather than anything else. So as your starting position, will have three at the back rather than having two and then one sitting ahead of them because the halfback tends to drop deep to get possession of the ball. Um, so it's only once he touches the ball that he actually drops deeper. Whereas the libero will do the opposite and will sit in the back line until he gets the ball and will potentially then drive forward. So um, I think that would potentially work. i don't know if you can have wide center backs and a libero though if you can uh, then that might be jizz worthy
1: i think you can um because wide center backs just need to be
0: the, in a three. they need
1: to be in a free yeah. yeah you can definitely can you definitely can play all the excellent
0: in which it. case that is the that's the play to go with i think to, oh, yeah, because I mean, ultimately you are sort of fighting game mechanics a little bit with trying to be like this out of the box thinking different
1: yeah, I think the system on paper, in my opinion, which is why I set it up like that, would work. If I was sitting down with each player, going, "This is what I want from you. This is exactly what I want from you," I think with like humans, you could probably get that. You could get it to work. Like you said, you are fighting the possibility. The realms of possibility when the the, the gates on the, the fences are so narrow for where these channels or these players will actually mm-hmm. evade. From. Like what
0: what you've said about the like the player instructions on the center halves. I would imagine there is probably some hard coding on the wide centre-back position that even if you replicate every single instruction on just a normal centre-half yeah. that that is present on the wide centre-back, I would imagine the movement won't be quite the same because no. there will equally be things that wide centre-halves then won't do um, that normal centre-halves do that is hard-coded to try and minimise the impact of the... The various options you can select between those different positions. It's it's why like like you said, like you've got to pick the wide midfielder on defend to give yourself more options. Yeah. Um, and I think if you if they gave you all of those options to both without having the each each position neutered by hard coding, I think it would be open to exploitation quite a bit. Yeah, definitely.
1: There was massive holes. Um, the the reason we had to go for a wide midfielder is, like a, like I said, it was more so, so the fact that they do really support that defensive um, that defensive unit as much as they can. Uh, I've never they, used them before, I I made so. sure I had massively high work rate, or at least the highest that I could get for those two positions, knowing that they are going to be working up and down. the The, the main issue that we had was they were just we were good when they were playing the ball through. Um, and w- when they were playing it short passing and we were defending against that, it worked. The minute that a long ball over 20, 30 yards came into play, we were just so out of position. It was unbelievable, and that was kind of the issue that we had. MLS, and I don't mean this in a horrible way, a lot of the time is the ball over the top and they went onto it. That's where we're struggling. Um, and any human being that sees this, this would never work in PvP. Any human being that sees this would just go, I'm going to double up each flank, then he's screwed. And you, you would be that overlap would just screw anyone over. I think we should add well, these to the
2: tweet on Monday so people can have a look because Dupas just dropped a, the revised tactic with the libero in there. So maybe we'll yeah, add I've them to the, the tweet on Monday. Okay,
0: I've got I've got an idea of what, oh, what we can yes. do. So we'll we we will drop these as as an accompanying tweet. But we would like your opinions to see how you would set this up and what you would do to get it to work. And then what we will do is review your opinions and suggestions and collectively, both as a pod and as an audience, we can try and get this figured out. I think a bit of participation from the audience, this would be quite an interesting little thing to, uh, to, to go down.
1: Oh, sorry, I've just, I've just had a look at Kevin, your mate Kevin, Home Alone. Um, he is a tremendous libero for this level. Yes. Uh, so maybe that could work.
2: You have to bring in his Buzz. brother as well, Boz. Uh, no, Alexis.
0: <laughs> and the tarantula. As well on the other oh, side. Yeah. Anyway, uh right. <laughs> Thank oh, you very much for that dupe. Um Yeah, no worries. I, I th- that was a, a a lot more in depth than uh, once you started posting tactics uh, and talking about liberos and excellent players, it got a bit a bit deeper to than get, I think I we knew thought it was. Juicy. I was gonna that's... make
1: a wet bandit joke then, but I thought better not. Um <laughs> <laughs> There, there is plenty
0: the, of 90s I references. I the title of this part is going to be mad. <laughs> uh, Home Alone, I, maybe?
1: It, come, it comes from me. I've got no creativity whatsoever.
0: Just Kevin, be, yeah. exclamation mark, done, Kevin. all caps. Richie Rich. Right. Okay, uh, let's move on then to our spotlight this week, uh, which is about maximising a shorter pre-season. Now, uh, most people, I mean, will hopefully be aware that because of the World Cup we've got in Qatar... The, our domestic seasons have been shifted forwards a week, which obviously impacts the length of pre-season. And moving into FM23, it hasn't been announced yet, but I'm assuming it's a thing because SI haven't closed down as a studio. That uh, you will also have to consider the a short a shorter pre-season by a week. Uh, normally, um, you can you know you can spread out your friendlies amongst your your usual training loads. To get your players in tip-top shape before you kick a ball in anger once the league comes around. But this time that's not going to be an option. And also you've got to factor in the fact that you've got a week shorter to recover from the previous season too, which you've had back-to-back sort of pretty much from from COVID. So I think players are pretty much running on, on empty, and then you have a shorter preseason on top of that. So we wanted to throw around some ideas about how we would potentially maximize a shorter preseason. Within FM and other things that we could potentially do to to make sure you do hit the ground running as much as possible, as well as taking some hints and tips from ourselves about what we do in pre-season, pre-season in general, and then modifying them slightly going forward. So uh, let's start then, gents. Obviously, the ov- obvious one probably is uh, pre-season tours and tournaments. Yay or nay, if you've got a week less?
1: I think the, the pre-season tournaments would be spot on. Because what you could do, you could still get your rest periods in, as long as you've got big enough squads, you can mm-hmm. get kind of two friendlies out of one. You'll be able to kind of play two separate teams, work out, make you know, make sure your tactics are doing what they want them to do, make sure the new players are being bedded in, but you still be able to get that rest in between. So I think, I think the preseason tournaments could be beneficial. Also, kind of make sure that if you are going to do them, make sure they're at home instead of away, so you don't you, you minimise that travelling because. I, mean, I am adamant. All that stuff comes into play, especially when I'm since doing this London Monarch save. The travelling I've just seen that the fatigue of players jump through the roof. That's something that I find really interesting. So I, I would make sure that you are making sure they're at home fixtures.
2: I think then as well. I, I don't know. Apart from this save, because usually we, in my save we usually do friendlies in the in the northeast against the, the other clubs just for the cash thing. But normally, what I would do is probably try and do like seven, eight friendlies in a normal preseason but almost like it's a bit of a build-up. So, you know, you start off with a few weaker teams, a bit of morale, get the goals in, maybe just a few new players there, but usually ending up with the, the last two or three games being the same level of clubs or better clubs than what you're going in against. Um, mainly just, it feels like, I suppose, you're you know getting yourself ready to go in for a hard first game of the season. Don't know if it's a thing or not, but See, in my like mind, Craig, um, that's what I'm aiming for.
0: I go the complete opposite direction. Um, for the morale reason, is it for the morale reason? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, so I, I'll start off with harder fixtures when I'm less, when my players are less fit, because ultimately you want a tougher opponent. Not just uh, one; you you get the the tougher games out of the way, but they're going to make you run harder and chase a game harder. Mm. Uh, so, in terms of fitness, when you've got none, that's a a good it's a good barometer to see where your players are at. Uh, bear in mind they haven't. They've not played for a few weeks and then when it comes to sort of the, you get the week or maybe two leading up to it, I'm reducing the amount of game time or potential running they have to do as well as um, it means that by playing weaker teams I can have effectively play two elevens in those matches mm. whilst also getting cricket scores. So yeah obviously i think when you're lower down the leagues it becomes a bit more difficult to do because obviously finding clubs that are below your level becomes more difficult and also money becomes a factor but usually if i'm once i'm in sort of the upper echelons i will find people i can i can slap around to boost morale because it's uh, it's very easy to to build up a team when they're all you know scoring multiple goals and getting between 8 and 10 ratings Against teams, admittedly, they're expected to smash them, but it, you know, you go coming to a season with everyone having their tails up.
2: Yeah, I guess it's in my mind. It's just, it's. I mean, it's it's nowhere about my mind, as most of these things with this game are. Um, in my mind, it's about building up to that that required match fitness and that required level of performance against a team that you're going to come up against in the opening game of the league. Um, I mean, look, there's. <laughs> we probably all do it different ways but I think when we're looking at the shorter pre-season, you're you're more than likely less games to play so I think obviously with that idea of a tournament um, and I like the idea of doing it at home as well obviously limiting it it's probably, you know, whether you're, whether you're in the school of Matt or the school of me it, you know, taking into account those opponents not just doing it, you know, bringing in three top clubs because you get more friendly, more cash for the friendlies um, it matters, I think it
0: definitely plays a part even though we both do it completely opposite ways well, the the local fixtures doesn't necessarily have to just be pre season tours and tournaments. Mm. It can, like I I would do that to reduce the travel time and then the overall impact on training. As as Dupe said, he's he's noticed with the London Monarchs, the the travel time is a big thing for him. Ad, admittedly, not many of us have a team based in one country that that then play away games in another. But at the same time, if you are traveling to foreign countries to play away games you've then got to factor in the impact that has on training and then potentially fatigue as well uh, and you're missing all of that potential recovery time in amongst all of that too so I think the the overall impact when you're when you have got a week less I think that is um, that's exacerbated quite significantly because effectively you lose that week the and and if you've got say normally what six or seven weeks of pre-season that's then a day a week that you're losing of travel time effectively which you'll then have to so you could be if you if you have a foreign fixture a week which you may not have but I'm just doing it for basic maths you've then lost a further week on top of what you would have already lost um, from the week being shorter so you've now you've now gone from having five weeks to four weeks so it's I think the when you when you look at it look at it from that sort of basic level, just playing at home, or close um, local fixtures is absolutely the way to go.
2: Um, and just don't do it. Has any seen what Crystal Palace have? What's happened to them in the last couple of days with their don't preseason care tour? About
0: Palace, so no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, play
2: shout out to the the guys in the Ranks FC podcast. Where that was Sam Tide that was on a while back but they mentioned it this morning. Palace booked obviously a long time ago have organised a tour to Australia and I think Singapore and they were only in the end able to bring 10 senior players Um, and it's not really clear if it's COVID reasons or visa whatever it is it's probably COVID or not being vaccinated so um, I think it's Eze, Guehi, Zaha, Olise they're all sitting in London having to train by themselves and the other half of the team are in Australia it is Ridiculous. Um, so yeah, don't be like Crystal Palace.
1: <laughs> what well, I will say though, talking about these little tournaments that we mentioned before, uh, I'm pretty sure Joe wrote a, a really good piece on the byline. If you are lower league and you are struggling with that t- that, that time frame that you do have, like I said Matt mentioned the week or week and a half before, then squeeze these tournaments in, even if they are lower. Um, because you will be able to earn a lot more money off them and it'll be able to boost that bank balance up for that season um it's a trick uh not a trick it's not really a trick because it's in the game but it's uh it's a good little bit of information if you are struggling financially that you these are a bit of a money spinner
0: well uh money spinners it kind of well, it doesn't really link to this but it sort of does in a way um, I've said about the sort of having local fixtures and the tournaments when you've got less time i i mean what i try i think I, I don't know if I do preseason different to loads of people or not um but I'm mashing the fixtures as much as possible i you're saying you do eight normally mad i probably i get a minimum of twelve if i can particularly if I'm playing like lower league opposition I will get three fixtures in a week. Uh, but then I'll also drop down the the actual training, so I would normally have. I, I think I use the presets or have used the presets where you have like uh, the it'll give you preseason heavy, preseason medium, and then preseason easy, and I have used those in the past. But then I end up giving rest days sometimes or recovery days and manually tweaking things if I'm putting that many games in because ultimately. I think, for, for for two reasons. Mainly, game time gets the fitness, the biggest fitness boost up from training. And also, if you're trying to blood in some younger players and give them some early game time, uh, and if you're playing, particularly if you're playing with, say, two 11s, which is what I tend to do. So I'll start the majority of one team um, in the first half, and then I'll completely swap the 11 out for the or the 10 substitutes, or eleven substitutes, whatever I can make, depending on who I've got available at the time. I'll then swap them out for the second half. So I'm effectively playing just a half per team. So in terms of like fatigue, each player is getting forty five minutes, but it's intense forty five minutes rather than playing for a full ninety. So but so therefore really you're 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 only playing ninety plus forty five over over a week. Per player rather than anything else but you're also getting then the match practice but actual match practice which i've seen does help and because of i'm managing the training exertion it means i'm not getting i don't get crazy injuries in fact i've in this most recent save i've not had insane injuries from training at all i get injuries in matches but that's pretty much it um and that's with minimal complaints too so i'm obviously doing something right uh, with with training both pre-season and then once we get into the season proper. But I th- that for me has absolutely worked and I've been doing it for years. Um, but more, more, I guess, for money reasons at least. But I think when you've got a shorter pre-season, this gets a lot of bang for your buck in regard of actual fitness and game time for those players too. I assume that it means you'd have to take full control for all the friendlies. Like you, you probably wouldn't
2: be able to really set instructions as detailed enough for you to ensure you're getting the two elevens on the forty-five minutes each. And you know, yeah, I assume you're playing those twelve friendlies in a normal situation.
0: Yeah, like that's. Yeah. I think it was. It was breezy. I noticed he tweeted something. Uh, he tweeted something about. I can't even remember what he. Particularly tweeted about, it, but it was about a preseason friendly. Uh, I was caring too much about preseason friendlies or something like that. But it was clearly a that is a tweet. It was clearly a, a tweet from a man who doesn't manage his own preseason friendlies in FM. I, I I will watch every single one and manage every single one, which is probably why my preseason takes longer than most. But that way, I can handle the rotation of the squad properly and make sure that players who are getting tired by half time are substituted at the right time and I'm not relying on an assistant manager not to and I'm also keen like if especially when you are playing the weaker teams if you've got young players who are, who are who have scored two I'm absolutely leaving them on to see if they can get a hat trick because that morale boost is awesome that they can get and the praise that you can give them then for having a good showing gets everything like i said getting everyone's tails up and hit, hitting a hitting a purple patch just as the season starts with everyone really happy is a great place to be. And we've mentioned morale sort of fairly recently as being quite a powerful tool. Why wouldn't you make sure that that's in the best shape possible? And I have to
2: assume, Matt, that you don't, if a player hits a a 5.9 or a 6.1 in a friendly, you don't find the shit out of them like you do
0: (laughs) during the league season. (laughs) You don't need to find them when they're, Getting eights and tens. Oh, boom! Snap. Head, head tap. <laughs> so it's just it doesn't doesn't really happen. So yeah. it's. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I I think might work, but I haven't had much of a chance to try, and mainly because actually, I guess I have, but it's um. It's something that because I've kind of stuck with the same tactics for the past few years, irrespective of the team I've been in my current save, um, I've I've kept the same tactic. So when it comes to uh, the tactical familiarity and everything like that, it's always been you always get that dip post season, but it means that that dip isn't so severe. And so when you've got that one week less, I think trying to stick to tasks. Tactics that are more familiar to your team, or making minimal tweaks to an existing tactic, is probably the way to go. Um, so you are, so you are again hitting, hitting the league at the right time with as as a prepared squad as you could possibly have. Um, I don't know what, Dupe, you were mentioning about like this tactic that you were working on mid-season. Oh, sorry, um, preseason, and then decided to ditch it within a few matches. Um did you notice that it would you it would have probably taken you till like halfway through to actually get it to hit the stride if you decided not to ditch it.
1: Yeah, I mean unfortunately I I had too many wide players last the year before. Uh not defensive wide but like attacking wide for me to to kind of implement it sooner. What I'd like to do is kind of and also we were playing we you know we were still quite active in the leagues but normally if you're kind of like a mid-table team and I'm safe then I would start implementing that tactic at the end of the year, kind of just start drip-feeding it in when I can, and then go and say, right, we are going to stick with this, and we're going to go through preseason with it. I wouldn't like to start preseason and go, right, I'm going to do this, and let's get rid of these, and let's get these in to play this system. Oh, it doesn't work. Oh, but I've bought players to play that system. Now I'm a bit, you know, screwed. So I, I would I would prefer to kind of drip feed it in even earlier um, than actually just trying to kind of spring it on them first session of preseason. Hi lads, welcome back. We're playing this this year. Get out there, run because you got to play like this. I just don't think it works for me. I think you got also know when to, to kind of jack that in though. A lot of people mm. lose saves and lose lose jobs because you just keep going. It will work. It will work. It will work. No when no when it doesn't work and experiments are experiments for a reason, right? Maybe maybe what I would do is at the end of this season drip feed it back in at the end of the season, or if I'm playing a lesser team with four nil up and I've got three substitutes spare because I'm allowed five in the MLS, I'm like with 20 minutes to go, go to that system and see how it actually operates, and then drop it down to extended comprehensive or even full match and just watch that watch that system and and kind of develop it later on and throughout the season, and then see how we go from there.
2: I guess it depends as well on how often you tend to kind of overhaul the tactic or you know really from season to season keep changing the tactic completely like for me I think normally I would jump between the tactics but I'd usually stick with the, you know you can I think it's three you can basically have as you know the primary and then the secondary and then the the third one tertiary whatever you want to call it I normally would rarely like if I was doing what five six seven seasons it's, I don't think I'll go beyond those three usually too often. You know, I'm kind of tweaking the formation or the instructions but keeping the formation fairly solid. So, you know, I'm going into that preseason. I like to think that tactical familiarity hangs around even for the, the second, you know, the backup tactics. And they're the ones who might jump between. And then, because I know in this during the season, if I change a tactic, it's usually based on the opponent. Unless we're completely in the shit and it's like we've got to overhaul. But if there's a bit of consistency, you know, you got your primary one, but I'll probably change it if I'm up against a big big team or a really tough game away from home and then you revert back so I think that continues
0: through pre-season for me without complete overhauls See I don't I think my tactics have pretty much been the, the same or at least had a, a very similar base in respect like instructions have been pretty much identical uh, mm. throughout I've I've adjusted some that have maybe been uh, they have, wouldn't so I'd gone for I'd had the, the 442 with Playing with inverted wingers on both both sides, and I've then basically removed a striker and then put him at replaced it with a DM like that. That isn't like, but in terms of like the actual shape and how it plays, that's the only real change. And whilst it perhaps looks like a major change on the face of it when you look at the shape in comparison, the actual I still play with with wide players that cut inside. I still have two midfielders that will play very similar roles. I just now have one patrolling the like the the defensive strata so i don't think it has changed an awful lot i've kind of just replaced the the second striker with a midfield runner instead and that's the only change i've made in what six seasons throughout four teams five teams so i've i've kept the same tactic throughout and i think i think tactical familiarity as well as just consistency they're, those green lines in fm exist for a reason right to show you, to show you like between players on the tactic like, yeah. screen to show to show you the chemistry between players and how much that can improve your performances saying that this is a good pairing why would the game tell you that if that wasn't potentially important it's they're not going to they're not going to give you a red herring well, what's the point in saying oh this is a good connection and then it does nothing <laughs> it's trying, the game is trying to encourage good behavior like, or or a, a a strategy that it suggests works.
1: I think this is probably another pod topic to talk about. Mm. The tactics and, and familiarity out, I can't, I'm so tired.
0: Familiarity. <laughs>
1: familiarity, there, there you go. It's, I start it wrong and it always goes wrong. But like, because I'm assuming it's an average of course you'll start an 11 or your 15-man ma- your squad because when you bring somebody new in, you always see a little drop. It must, they must work it out you know, you can't. Some the of the squad parts, and the team yeah. must be, you know, they're familiar with it. But if you're gonna then chuck in ten brand new players, regardless of how well your squad can deal with that, I can only but assume a drop will happen. So yeah, maybe we could do some research. And oh, I'm happy to do some research because it intrigues me to how that works. And because a lot of people have been off a tactic after two, maybe three t- attempts at it. And you go well, Hang on. If those people don't know that tactic very well, if it's very different to what you've been playing, you've been playing a four at the back system with seventeen attackers, and, and you, you then go with everyone back. It, it's a very different style. Um, it's going to take a while for everyone to warm to it. And uh, I do, I do wonder how that would, how that would come. But like I said, that might be different for a different. I
0: mean, I, I'm all for expanded upon expanding upon this, but. This is also another benefit of playing with two 11s per friendly match, because wow. then you've got 22 players who are familiar with one another and with the tactic, because they're yeah. playing playing 12 or 10 games, however many games I can get in the shortened pre-season in. Yes, they're only sharing a half, but they are playing a lot together in the same squad. So, And obviously you can bring in some other players as well to to add to that, it doesn't always have to be the same 18 that starts so you can filter in some other players. But there is a, there is method to the madness.
1: No, absolutely. I think this is probably why I'm such a slow, slow starter in the season because, again, this is more so uh, quali- quantity over quality, but because I play so much football manager and because I play so many different teams in seasons, I feel that I have to do different systems because it would just get boring if I went, This is my tactic. Here we go. I'm going to play this every single week or every single save. And I think that's me tinkering in preseason, especially, or maybe it'll make me think this conversation will make me think about tinkering it in the preseason more and actually trying to do a different system because I think I do it too much. I, I know I do it too much. And I know that at times if a save gets a bit stagnant for me or we don't see much results, I will go, okay, let's go to the end of the season and then bang, we're going to rip this all apart, rip the squad apart, basically brand new squad, brand new system and go from there. And then I wonder why we're having such a slow start. And I think, mean, you know, it's all becoming very clear now.
0: Well, that was the final point actually, which was about actually limiting signings to reduce the impact on morale and dynamics. So maybe there is, maybe we should actually do like a a proper experiment and Show our findings between the two, so same eleven or same same squad, and then one squad with five new players, one squad with ten new players, one squad with no new players, and then see what we get, uh, and then go from there. And then we can we can report back on another pod in the future and say we've run, actually done this now, and we can categorically say, at least from these simulations we've ran, hopefully anyway, we could find find out that there is absolutely nothing to do, like no correlation at all in the data and we're just talking bollocks which mm. is probably more often the case but nevertheless uh, the bollocks will continue because we have a quiz from Mr. Madden. So I actually knew you were going to segue <laughs> it with that once he said talking bollocks. <laughs> oh let's do the quiz. <laughs> You've you got in there
1: before I can make reference to talking bollocks. Isn't that Dave's podcast? But anyway <laughs> we'll, we'll carry on.
0: It's time for the quiz.
2: Hey, Dave, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, yes, we have a quiz, and I suppose seeing as we've been talking about pre-season being shortened due to the World Cup um, in the winter, uh, normally, uh, uh, what are we? The 14th of July. I think by now we would have already seen a new World Cup champions crowned. I think the, uh, probably the weekend just gone would have been the final yeah. if, if it followed the normal flow. So it depends on um, if they're adding, adding more teams to it or not. I guess. Final. Yeah, yeah it was, true. It was, so, um, thank you, FIFA, for that. So we're going to go a little bit of a World Cup theme, um, to to put a bit of blame on them. Um, I'm going to put you two lads together again, seeing as you got on so well last week. Um, and what we're going to do is, I am going to ask you once again to name the time that you think you'll get, Mike. Oh, m- I know what correct. he's
1: going to ask us,
2: Matt. And I'm going to also ask you how far back you think you'll make it. What I have oh. in front of me are the list of all of the World Cup captains going as far back, now it goes as far back in my list as 1996, when of course England won it, but I'm going to ask you lads. 1966, 66, you mean. Six. Six, what did I say? Did I not you six? said 1996. Oh, there wasn't yeah.
0: a World Cup in 1996, there was uh, Euro 96, 66. which was hosted I've, in England. But.
2: I've had two glasses of wine. Um, 1966, of course, um, but I'm going to ask you how far back you think you can go together in terms of the World Cup years, and how long you think you need to get there. So this is World Cup winning, World Cup winning captains. So who's raised the trophy? Basically, who's captain the side? And I want, I want you guys to tell me how far back you think you can go.
1: We don't even have to worry about the tie. Uh Matt, I could probably, th- I could probably help up to nineteen ninety. I could maybe help with eighty six. And that's yeah, probably that's probably about the go. same.
0: Like I've. My my international football knowledge is pretty woeful, to be honest. So,
2: okay, well, let's see if we can get you back to 1986, the year that both myself and Matthew were born. Nope. No, you uh-huh. are an, you're an '86 boy, no?
0: I'm an '87 boy.
2: Ah, same different year. <laughs> <you>. Fair, fair
0: <laughs> You are the oldest of old. <laughs> <yeah>. oh, <laughs> bring back Bertie, please. Okay, so we're gonna start. We're
2: gonna go, we're gonna go chronologically from the most recent. So I'm gonna start by asking you for the 2018. World Cup winning captain. <laughs> These dupes already. How, like, how many
1: lives do we get? <laughs> how many lives do we get, mad?
2: Uh, we won't give you. We we won't give you lives. We'll we'll see how far you go. I can I can obviously okay. try and help you along the way. So, I want to see if you can make it. To France
1: France won it. Didn't they? They did.
2: I don't want to see you yes. look no. at the screens here now, dupe. I've got my eye on you here now. I mean, what? eyes on me now. Don't take offense. But France,
1: France won it. Um, and if I remember, I can't think. of My mic. Pogba. Is, if I, if I, sorry. No, I think it was the, it was the drunk. I think it was Loris that was in, was the, the captain. Drunk. Yeah, he was drunk driving when he literally around that time, wasn't he So I'm, I'm gonna not need sure the final answer. Sort of Matt
2: said Pogba. Dupe says Lloris Who was the final answer? I, I don't I'll, think it was Pogba. I'll go with,
0: I'll go with, I'll go with your, like, makes sense. So the I'm correct down, answer down with
2: was Hugo Loris. World Cup winning captain for France in 2018. Now we go back another four years to the year 2014, when Dave was born. Who was the World Cup
1: winning captain? Who won it in 2014? It was Spain. They did it and they did the double. No, they didn't know it. They did the Euro. No, they didn't.
0: That was 2010 and 2012, right?
1: 14 was Germany. Goetzer scored right at the end the Germans. Don't remember. But who was the captain? So the Could it German be another goalkeeper?
0: Captain. Neuer? No, Lahm.
2: Lahm. Yeah, I was Lam. Gonna say probably Lahm. Philip Lahm is the correct answer. World Cup winning captain in 2014. Now, so then it's the... Oh, go back sorry,
1: to 2010. For so now World World. it's the Spanish. So that would be the keeper...
0: Casillas,
2: final answer.
1: Yeah, I would say well, it wouldn't. Would it, it? wouldn't be Xavi or Iniesta, would it? I I think it was Casillas in that.
0: Um. Yeah, I'll go with that. Iker
1: Casillas is the correct answer.
2: World Cup winning captain in two thousand and ten for Spain. Now we bring ourselves back to two thousand and six.
1: So that's the headbutt one. So that's Italy beat France. Cannavaro. 10. Canavaro, Fabio
2: Canavaro, Matt straight in there.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, correct answer uh, was the captain in 2006, of course. The world-renowned headbutt cup final. Now we're back to 2002.
1: That's Brazil. Lob Seaman, and that is.
2: I don't even know what Duke just said there.
1: Oh, it's Lob Seaman. Ronaldinho Lob <laughs> Seaman. That World Cup. No, um, no, I was gonna say North Korea, South Korea. I think that's Cafu for the Brazilians. Matt, mm, I don't yeah. know who else it could be. I'm,
0: I'm trying to run through. Th- Gilberto Silva maybe have been playing, but I don't think he would have been yeah, captain I at that point. I
1: don't remember him. Unless it's Dida and net, but I don't think it was. I think that's. I'm,
0: am happy with, I'm happy with, I'm happy with Cafu because oh, I don't. Uh, th- Dunga would have retired. By that point,
1: Carlos never captains.
0: because Dunga was captain in '98.
1: So I think it's Cafu.
2: I'm going to have to push you for an answer, boys. Or, Rival- or Rivaldo.
0: I don't, oh. but I'm trying to think of senior players in that squad. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy with Cafu. Like I'm. I'm just. Uh, I'm I know not, the next one, not... but I... same, but. <laughs> This is this now. <laughs> okay. Final
1: answer. Yeah, go Cafu
2: The correct answer is Kafu. R- of course, it is. Oh, oh
1: <laughs> I, like, my little heart! I say little heart, big heart, cholesterol-filled heart. Cafu. Can we just move on to
0: ninety-eight now? Because it's yeah. Didier Deschamps. And yeah, because he is nice. a
1: quiz question, right? Didier Deschamps. Is, what, he's before? No, there's there's three there's three captains and managers that are us ah, and yes, he's please. one of them. I nice can tell you there was maybe the more of
2: those on this list too. I don't
1: know. I don't right, think we, we go quite far enough to nineteen
2: ninety
1: four. So that's that's the Brazilians Brazil. again. So that's, yeah. that's that's Dunga.
0: Yes.
2: Has yes. To be. Final answer. Yeah. Correct answer is of course Dunga, nineteen ninety four World Cup winning captain for Brazil. I think they beat the penalties, nineties, wasn't it? Uh.
1: In the. It was a Baggio road. spoon. Baggio missed the penalty. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I know this one, Matt. Now we're back to nineteen ninety. Yeah, so West Germany and it's uh, Matthias. I did the write-up on him. I know that you certainly did, do Lothar Matthias.
2: Yeah. You should know all about him from the write-up you did on the Five Star Potential <laughs> website.
1: I did. The correct. A good, good write-up. Actually, genuinely me as well. I quite enjoyed that doing that. Maybe I should be a blogger. Fuck Spons the <laughs> Can't afford that. I'm saving. <laughs> 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 There's a free version. <laughs> 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 right
2: back we go to the year nineteen eighty-six.
1: Hand of God. It's Maradona, Argentina. Is that the answer, or the World Cup you're referring to? Uh, 86. No, that's 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 the answer. But that is my last where I stop. Oh, I I don't. I know not. I know 74, but I I can't. I don't know the ones in between. So this one is Maradona.
2: Matt, agree. Yes. Diego Maradona, Hand of God. Of course, was the captain for
1: Argentina when they won the World Cup in 1986. Do you know '82, Matt? No. I'm, Italy won it, but I don't know who the captain was. I got no clue. Uh,
0: no. Really digging um, up
2: the brains there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can use a David excuse. I wasn't born yeah. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> like, so. Which is very rare for you to do. <laughs> that yeah. Okay, I it don't know.
2: A, I don't. was a goalkeeper.
0: Uh, was it Dino's off then?
2: Dino's off, yes, it's well in, Matt. Right, Charles. It was, was
0: like the oldest, oldest camp captain of the World Cup team or something like that. There you go. He was like 42 at the time, I think. Not something ridiculous.
2: Sure. I wasn't even born then, Matt. Um, do you want Did to you try 78? It, yeah. Dupes said so he 74, so we'll go as Yeah, first. so
1: 70, 78 would be Argentina again. It would. Serious knowledge but, from Dupes here. But I don't know who the captain would have been. I like my World Cups, Matt.
2: So he is, I'll give you a small clue. He is a former Argentina manager as well.
1: Oh, I, <laughs> I, went, I had a name in my head then. I thought, no way. Could that be it? Uh, that's about 10, 20 years too late.
0: Uh, yeah,
2: I'm, I'm former manager I'm, of I'm, Argentina. Also Uruguay.
0: Oh, is it? Oh, it's with the T.
2: It does not begin with
0: a T. It's not who I thought it was. I'll give you the answer. It's Daniel Passarella. Ah, no. No.
2: No idea. No. Okay, do take us home for
1: 1974. No, I can take you home for the rest. Oh, hello. Back to 66. So, uh, 74 was West Germany again. That was Eckenbauer. 70 was Brazil versus Italy. That was Carlos Alberto. Oh, 66 relax. was England and Bobby Moore.
2: Round of applause for dupe there, lads. Well, not just a pretty face.
0: Sponsored by Wikipedia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, something like Wikipedia, anyway. Uh, no, Dupe-pedia. the World Cups are cool. I like the World Cups a lot. Um, but there was an a old encyclopedia. A, a i see if I can fish it out. I used to just love reading. I used to love reading. Um, funny enough, reading. Or looking at the pictures, I'll say. The World Cup fascinates me, especially with all the Panini sticker books. Like it just see I that is what helps. The, like yeah. that's no, where a of lot of my '90s are.
0: football references come from. Like <laughs> knowledge books. is like I remember random players. Like um, I can't remember. Not I was going to say Luther Blissett, sure. but it's not. It's not the player I was thinking of. But I I know how what players look like purely because of what their pictures were in sticker albums.
2: Same, oh, amazing! Yeah. I used to have them stuck on the bedside. I remember. um my brother put one of Scalacci up and then he scored that goal against Ireland in 1990 and we ripped it off. <laughs> <laughs> up the five-year-old pettiness.
1: <laughs> I I remember being shown the Mexico 86 one that my dad had. Nice. And like, that's what got me. Like, I must have been probably six or seven and he was, uh, no, actually, I probably was, I would probably was 10 when it was the 2002 World Cup and I remember mm. just him producing this was my first sticker book, you know. Have a look at this, and I just remember like reading it page to page. Uh, I know that woke up quite well. Those were the days.
0: Those were the days, indeed. Anyway, it's thank on eBay you at the for for, for that little little quiz, Mister Matt. I enjoyed that; it was good. Get the old nogging working. Uh, you got late like fifteen
1: quizzes ready ready for next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it's your has quiz later. Uh, Anyway, that does bring episode 257 to a close. You can find the links for each of us in the podcast description or by visiting 5starpotential.com where you can find all of our latest Football Manager content, including our Wonder Kid Hall of Fame, where you can uh, look at all of the other bits and pieces, including the the most recent edition, which is Atom Ben Arthur. But um, there will be another one next week. We're not revealing who that is yet. So have shh, a guess on Twitter. Have a guess. Actually, yeah, guess on Twitter. And also, don't forget, we're going to post the tactics on Twitter. Get the, get the FM Hive mind on it. Uh, Five, Five Star Potential is available on iTunes, Spotify, and most of the popular podcast apps and platforms with a new podcast released every week. Thank you all for listening. There will be more from us next week. Say goodbye, folks.
1: Goodbye, folks.
0: Kevin. <laughs> Kevin.